Back again with another indie review, Gelada and I discuss a much-anticipated title as we delve into the breach. Hello and welcome to another episode of Optal FM. I'm Sephiroth. And I'm Gelada. And today we're going to be doing a bit of a sim- similar episode to what we did the other day, actually. We're going to be talking about a, uh, an indie title. Yeah. Um, specifically, we're going to discuss something that I think I mentioned in our episode that games we were looking forward to in 2018, actually. You absolutely did. Plug for that episode. Um, <laughs> and we're going to talk about a game, Into the Breach. Yeah, I saw that you'd pick this up pretty much straight away when it came out, right? Yeah, yeah it was on my wish list. And it took me by surprise, actually, because I was on Steam one day and it goes into the breach. is now available. I'm like, it is? Yeah. I was expecting this to be months away, possibly more. Like, Wasn't it like conveniently at the start of a LAN party? <laughs> it, was on, it was at the Friday of the LAN, yeah. We'd gotten down, I set my computer up and I was just kind of, kind of getting set up. And I was like, wait, into the breach is out? Oh, no. <laughs> Um, so I did spend a fair amount of time that uh, that land playing it. I must admit, I think yeah. it was in the in the background because because like minimizing it all the time and just kind of bring it back up and playing it during between mm. games. And then um, you know for for this episode, I picked it up as well because I I wanted to pick it up and have a go at it. But I'm very much it's a we'll we'll talk a little bit more about what it is. But to sort of set the scene, if you will, it is a turn based strategy game. And I do not get on well with turn-based strategy games. Yeah, which I actually didn't know. You you told me that just before we started recording, and that's not something I was aware of. Um, I really love real-time strategy games. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but turn-based? <laughs> ah, I see. That's interesting, because like, we've talked about a few games in the past, and I always assumed that you were just as much of a fan of them as I was. So, <laughs> lesson learned. But it still gives us an interesting uh, perspective on the episode, doesn't it? It does. Um, but yeah, you are definitely best placed to talk about what it is because you've played it a lot more than me. Um, mm-hmm. So tell, tell, tell us, what is Into the Breach? Well, it's uh, as you already said, it's a turn-based strategy game. Uh, specifically, it's an isometric one. So mm. um, kind of think like a grid-based system like XCOM or I'm trying to think of a similar... Uh, kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics, actually, because that's got that some, same sort of like uh, isometric view to it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to something like um, Fire Emblem or Advance Wars, which, although it's on a grid system, it's sort of like on a top-down grid system. Yeah, yeah. From like a kind of r- on a right angle rather than kind of like on a diagonal almost. Mm, yeah. So one of the uh, descriptions that people use for it oftentimes is it's like Advance Wars meets chess in its sort of description. Okay. Um, in yeah. the you have uh, several units to manoeuvre and then you have to use them and their powers in such a way that will allow you to achieve your objectives. But sort of like the difference is, is that all the pieces have very specific moves and they can mm. only move once per turn. You can't just send things off and doing whatever. You sort of have to have a very defined plan in place. Yeah, it's actually, it's really quite stripped down in that sense because mm. you're only controlling three units it's so it's not like chess where you're controlling essentially a you know a 16 units and it's not like something like advance wars where you can sort of get additional units or you can sort of you know you're moving a whole bunch of them around or and it's not like um a turn-based game like civilization where you know you're you're managing a whole 
set of buildings and cities and that kind of thing it's like super super stripped down very like scenario based yeah it is that's actually a really good way of looking at it the all the missions are very small and short i think they last usually five turns and each turn is basically the one movement and one action yeah. for your mech and yeah. you have three mechs mm-hmm. uh, there's occasions where you control other aspects like other allied units oh yeah yeah but by default you have your three mechs that you control but the game has a very heavy focus on movement and placement yes rather than quote-unquote strategy i guess yeah Um, it's very much about reacting to the enemy Mm. in the most efficient and logical way possible yes rather than it being about like getting them to do what you want them to do to fulfill your strategy of winning yeah right it's you're right it's not like okay how can i win this battle it's like okay how can i respond with my limited resources of three mechs in a way that doesn't fail the scenario (laughs) <laughs> well, that's actually a really good way of describing it as well, because one thing I haven't written the notes here is that you don't actually have to win the fight. You no. just have to survive them. Yeah. And you're, each mission, you're given like specific objectives to try and achieve. And as long as you don't lose all your power grids, which are sort of like buildings on the map which the enemy will attack... Even if you lose all your objectives and your mechs are like half destroyed, you still don't fail the mission. You just don't get rewards for it. Yeah. But you need those rewards to be able to carry on progressing through the game to kind of get stronger so you can kind of fight harder enemies later on. Yeah, it's really interesting in that sense. It's There's a lot of like uh, we haven't mentioned, but like this has been this is made by the same people that made FTL Faster Than Lights, mm-hmm. uh, which is a roguelite no it's more of a roguelike than a roguelite right it's, yeah it's a fairly it's fairly intense in its rogueness uh where yes. you 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 control a spaceship going through a, a map essentially and there are sort of like scenarios that kind of yeah. play out uh and they're real time rather than turn-based but you can pause them but in that sense like that is very much about like surviving and sort of like yeah. just just like getting through and maybe scavenging some resources so that you can get some upgrades. And this is kind of similar. Like you don't have to perfectly succeed in the scenario. You just have to kind of survive it. But if you do well, then you'll be in a better position in the next scenario. And actually the game manages its difficulty in that if you're not doing that well, then the game sort of balances up to that a little bit. Yeah, it and, does a little bit. And doesn't like continue to get difficult in the same way whereas if you're doing really well the game will like ramp up the difficulty as you get to the end mm-hmm. which i think they've they've taken that from ftl because mm-hmm. there was some instances of ftl where you've just had a, a string of bad luck because there's a lot more kind of randomness in ftl yeah. than there is in the breach and sometimes you'll just have a string of bad luck that you can't really do much yeah. about in ftl and then you'll get to like the third or fourth system and you're just being outclassed yeah. just by numbers no matter how kind of good you are your numbers just aren't good enough right. sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas in Into the Breach, I find that you can do quite well even with the basic versions of your units without upgrading them. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's harder, but you don't outright, you know, lose, mm. um, you know. Yeah. So I'd say the game is one of the... Actually, this is a quote from um, Rock, Paper, Shotgun. And I think the game said that it's more challenging the FTL, but less, for, but more forgiving at the same time. Yeah. 
Um, like if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Like one of the things it does, and this kind of goes into talking about some of the features of Into the Breach, is it has like a reset function. Yeah. So if you uh, make a mistake within the game, so like you order your unit to do something and you're like, oh, damn, I didn't think it would do that and cause this to happen sort of thing. Or later on, you notice that something's gone wrong you can reset the turn and go back to the beginning of that particular turn, but mm. you can only do it once per round. Yeah. And that plays into the sort of like the time travel mechanics that are kind of woven into the story aspect of the game too. Yeah. And and that feature made me forgive it a little bit more because, <laughs> because what I found with it, with F, with uh, Into the Breach is that, and I'm sort of jumping the gun here by getting in my opinions, is that, um, <laughs> is that there's like an initial hump of difficulty because i found that like you it takes a while to just learn all the weird and unexpected things that can happen if Mm -hmm. you do something like you're like oh what like that happens if i do that and you're like oh damn like i really yeah and then you feel like restarting the whole game because you you know it was avoidable but you didn't know about it and that's what i mean this is this is why i don't like turn-based strategy games right that's what annoys me because in real-time strategy games that doesn't that's not a thing like you can't like do to an action and be like oh what that that caused that to happen like because it's it just doesn't work like that but in a Mm. in a turn-based strategy game one action can like change the tide of the whole scenario and in the case of into the breach your entire run through the game because that can have a lasting impact in how you're playing and that's that this is just me in turn-based strategy games it's not a it's not really a dig at into the breach it's just like this that's why i don't like them i find them very frustrating to play but at least as you say with into the breach it does have that one like reset option if it was me, I would have more of them because I just get irritated. But, well, one of the uh, one of the pilots actually has the ability to give you a second reset. Oh, perfect! I need that. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you kind of have him on your team, he gives you the ability to have two resets per turn or per per round, I should and, say. And I also I know that like it's about failing and trying again, right? Because it's a it, this is kind of like a turn based strategy game meets roguelike. Right, yeah, because it is the, cause although the game has set um, kind of pieces in it that you will always find, so you will always have the same four islands that yeah. are like stages almost, like levels, and you always have the same kind of style of mission. So there'll be a mission where you have to defend a building yeah. or a mission where you have to defend a train or a mission where you have to um, like destroy certain aspects of land, etc., they are still randomly generated each time, like the actual yeah. placement of them. They're gonna, they're fairly similar because they follow fairly strict parameters, yeah. so they always work. But they are still technically random. It's never going to be the same exact placement and same enemy uh, like spawns and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And and then it also does have permadeath in that if you you know the pilots of your mechs if they die. Uh, then the mech is piloted by like an AI and you've lost that pilot permanently and all it, and all of their experience and and whatever else. Uh, and then if you fail the whole thing, then you get to read you get to take one of your pilots through to your rerun um, and 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 you basically get to start again. It's like mm-hmm. game over new game. And so in that sense, it's not like a proper roguelike. It's actually in that way, it's a lot like Rogue Legacy. I'm going to say it has a bit of a Rogue Legacy feel to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, in that you have this kind of like tree of like pilots. It's not like a generational tree, but it's sort of like a thread that ties your runs mm-hmm. together. One of the things that I really enjoy about the game, 
which that comes into is is both the time traveling aspect to it with the different pilots but it's also the different um squads you can choose as well of the different mechs yeah and those are unlocked as you go mm. and then each playthrough you can either do the same mechs or you can do different squads or you can even have the option to sort of customize your squad and kind of like cherry pick the ones that you want specifically yeah and again when you win or lose depending because you probably will lose the first few times yeah um you again you can take that kind of like pilot with you that you go actually i really like this pilot and his her abilities are really strong uh, like i often find myself kind of sticking to the same couple of pilots that i really really like yeah, yeah. Uh, and i've had like a, a run where i've had like the same pilot like six six victories in a row because yeah. i've managed to just kind of string together a, a load of good victories mm. uh, and then eventually i was just like i probably need to try a different pilot because <laughs> this guy's good <laughs> so I'd maybe try something else and the the game has a lot of other wonderful features to it as well, which I think set it apart from a lot of other both uh, roguelike games, but also a lot of turn-based strategy games, in the sense that the game is not about just outright fighting. The game is about utilising and kind of, I don't want to say, what's the word? Utilising and exploiting the environment. Mm. So one of the big aspects of the game is that the enemies called the Vec, like big uh, insect monsters essentially, um, they all always move and then say where they're going to attack. Then you get your turn and then they will attack mm-hmm. and then they will move and do whatever. So it's sort of like their, their, their turns kind of cut in half by your turn almost, if that yeah. makes sense. Whereas yeah. you get your full set of goes, you move and attack and use all your abilities and stuff in one go. Whereas theirs are kind of like halved. And what this allows is that everything they do is telegraphed. So you can never be blindsided by something completely. So you'll always have the opportunity to react to something. Sometimes the what you can react to just isn't enough and you'll still kind of take damage or lose something. Yeah, and I guess because it makes it sound initially when you, when you realise that's the concept, you're like, well, that sounds like it's going to be really easy because I'm just going to know everything that's going to happen and I can just stop it. But because, as we said earlier, it's so stripped back, like there's only three mechs, they have limited movement and attack and stuff like that and there tends to be more enemies than you, that's where the challenge comes in because mm-hmm. you have to like be efficient and sort of like move your units in a way that like mitigates damage as much as you can. Because mm-hmm. one of the other things that you've got to look out for is that your mechs are almost as dangerous to your objectives as the enemies are. Yeah. <laughs> like there's quite a few mechs that have abilities where like they'll push themselves or a enemy into like, I don't know, a building you're trying to protect and that will do damage to the building. Yeah. So you've got to position it just right so that that doesn't happen. Or if exactly. it does happen, that it doesn't cause enough of damage that it's going to make you fail and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And that then kind of goes into the other aspect of the game that I really like, which is all of the sort of, I don't know, the, the mech mechanics. Mm-hmm. So they all have very different themes to them, different yeah. feels. So like the, the default mechs are pretty much standard sort of like robots. So there's a there's one with that just kind of runs around stomping things with its fist. Uh, one that has like a big, basically it's a big tank and one that's like a big piece of artillery and that's fairly standard. But then like later on, there's other ones which are all like flame based, for example, and they have like a passive. The passives are a very, very important part of the, the mech's identity. You'll often find that the squad will have one passive, which will kind of define their play style. Okay. So for example, the flame mechs, one of their mechs has the passive kind of uh, equipment equipped, which means that all your mechs are immune to fire damage. So you can set the whole battlefield on fire and your mechs won't be affected, whereas most of the time your mechs would catch fire and take one damage per turn. 
so this way like with them it's very much encouraged to kind of like set everything on fire because it won't affect you and you can't damage buildings with fire but the enemy will catch fire and take damage it's it's almost like the whole game is like different game modes like each squad is like a slightly different mode of play or it's like each game mode each squad is a different chess challenge Yes, I think that's a good good old uh, analogy for it. Win definitely. this board of chess, but you only have like four pawns, or win this board of chess, but you have two bishops and they have three queens or something. Yeah, and that is a wonderful challenge because some mechanics are just outright more powerful than others. I found, okay. and then there's also wonderful sort of like combinations you can do with certain pilots and certain mechs. For example, like one of the ones that I found, which is super super strong is the ice mechs one of the ice mech uh, one of the ice uh, squad mechs has the ability to freeze an enemy at range which basically kind of removes it from the fight almost but as a result of it it freezes itself as well so you have to get broke broken out of the ice to be able to be used again mm. and the kind of the challenge there is like offset the fact that you your weapon is super powerful but you take yourself out of the fight at the same time but there's a pilot that when she starts at the beginning of the round always gives herself a shield and the shield means that you are unaffected by all adverse effects, such as fire and ice. Yeah. So you can't set yourself, you can't freeze yourself. So that's a really powerful combination. And mm. it's all about finding those combos and kind of using them to your ability, to your advantage. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's, it's like, this is why you, like, you're the type of gamer that likes that's this kind of game, because we've talked before about sort of like min maxing a game like finding Mm. the most effective way to do something and it reminds me of how when we were talking about we were talking to louise swift and we were talking about like what makes a game engaging Mm. and what makes a game engaging for you you said was sort of like something that you still think about when you're not playing about yeah, like how can like, i do this bit in the best way or like how what? can i eke out that extra percentage exactly and this and turn-based strategy games in general are all about that kind of thing like how do i play out this scenario with these limited resources like how do i get it to work best and i yeah. think into the breach is really built if you like that kind of gameplay and playing a game like that then you will like into the breach it's like if you if you like end game mmos like the, the the end game of an MMO where you have to like get the right gear and like work out what is the best mm-hmm. gear for your DPS. Like this is the game for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because that sense of for me, and you've described it quite nicely, for me, the sense of accomplishment when you kind of figure out the puzzle. So you, you, you're presented with the board and you've got all the time in the world to think about this board mm. of the enemy is, is stood here and they're attacking these things. And then you make it so that you can do everything and save everything. And you've taken half an hour to think about that. It feels really good. Yeah. Like when you figure out that puzzle. Um, that actually does link to something that you've said is that you mentioned is not so great about the game, I guess, which is that the enemies aren't super predictable. Well, that was something I was going to touch on a bit later, but we can definitely talk about that now. Mm. Um, so obviously I, I like the game, really like the game. But it's not perfect, and there would be things that I would like suggest making changes to. And one of the things, and this maybe just is because I've just not played the game enough. I've got about 30 hours played, roughly. So I've played a good amount, but maybe not enough yet. The enemies are supposed to be predictable, and they're supposed to be able to be reacted to as well, because obviously they, they telegraph everything they do. They always move and say, right, I'm going to attack this thing, and then you can react to me doing that. 
But from what I can gather, there's no way of telling what enemies will do what between the turns. So mm. what I mean by that is they'll spawn and then they'll go to attack something, but they don't necessarily like prioritize attacking you over the buildings or the buildings over you yeah. or attacking uh, a NPC allied unit over or like a else. key objective or something. Yeah, like they just seem to attack things basically at random. Yeah, like things that are near them. <laughs> yeah, anything that they can attack within range, which is fair enough. That that is predictable. Like, oh, it can't attack that building at the back of the map because it's not in range of it and it can't do it. But when it's got multiple things within its kind of like area of effects, it doesn't, you can't tell it's going to do one thing or another. Like Mm. it'd be nice to know that if I put my mech here, I know it will attack my mech and ignore this building sort of thing. It's almost like the AI for the enemies is, is maybe on purpose, but it's very straightforward in that it's just kind of like, okay, what are the random things I can do that will do damage? It doesn't really think one, one ahead or two Mm. ahead to like aim for a particular target and similarly it sort of doesn't prioritize things like you say in a very predictable manner well like one example of that is the enemies will oftentimes attack the same thing like they'll like two or three enemies will like all go and attack the exact same building yeah but the enemies attack in order and you know what order they attack in as well because like one of the things you can do is see what order the enemies are going to act in and that the first one would das- outright destroy the building, thus making the other two's actions completely pointless. <laughs> yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, like, that's bad because, like, well, you could deal with one enemy, the other two will still be able to destroy it sort of thing. So you have to deal with all three. But what I mean is, like, that surely the enemies can, well, predictably, I know that I have to attack this one thing and then I will go do the other thing. But mm. there's no prioritizing there. There's no kind of threat level almost, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. It's interesting. Um, I hadn't really thought, I hadn't really noticed because I guess I was still just getting to grips with it. But now you've mentioned it, it's like, yeah, that is actually, it's interesting. It almost gives away that the game, like the AI knows the mechanic in that it they all attack the same building because it's like, you're going to push us out of the way. <laughs> yeah, sort of. And maybe it's just nitpicking. But, and I don't, I'm not giving you a suggestion to how to fix it either because I couldn't tell you exactly how. Mm. But maybe just have it so that it, certain enemy types always focus on certain things. Like one, maybe like the dragonfly type enemies would always focus on mechs, but the, the grasshopper tile enemies will always focus on attacking buildings mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah maybe something like that could do it. But with, um, but with all that said, like, I do really like the game. Like, I, I already touched on the fact that it's a really satisfying game. Mm. But, one of the other things that I, I really enjoy about it is just a marketer here is the design of the game. Everything yeah. looks, feels, and sounds really nice. Yeah. Like it reminds me a lot of FTL's design kind of document, I imagine. I imagine if you read through their original design documents, <laughs> they're probably I- identical. I mean, it feels because, like it's cut from the same cloth, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, you've played FTL quite a bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, I've played yeah, it. So, I, I, so you know not it. Not like massively, but enough to know about it. And it's very minimal. Like mm. everything is kind of given to you in very small snippets. Yeah. Um, there's no upfront story, really, other than you're in big robots. I they're mean, at there's not Big. even an intro cutscene, really, is there? Like, not really, just go no. straight into it. And saying, right, off you go. But if you read into all the little clips of people talking and sort of like look at the way the scenarios are set up and the mechs and stuff like that, you kind of piece this picture together slightly. Mm. But just 
it's such a simple looking game. Like it's got this kind of pixel art to it mm. and the sound, oh, just everything about it really, f- they've really worked hard on meshing everything together. Like there's no one part of the game that feels like it's just been slapped in there because it yeah. needed to be like a placeholder thing. Everything feels like it's been designed with everything else in mind. Yeah. And it feels like a very complete package. I agree. I do. There are some bits of the UI that I think could be clearer, but I think that as soon as you've played it for a few hours, they fall away. Like mm. like I said about that sort of hump in learning curve, I think that the game initially doesn't make it obvious enough what things do or things are. Like the, the, the simplest example of that is like, oh, cool, that's how I work out which Vec explode when you kill them. Yeah. Like it's like a little explodey icon that comes up when you hover over them. Yeah. And once you know that, you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to look out for that because that's really bad. But it's not immediately really obvious that's true. It, like, that is true. It's a minor point because as soon as you know what bit of the UI corresponds to that, you're like, right, now I get it. But it's just not the clearest it could be. I, I don't know. I don't know how, again, I, I don't have a suggestion of how to solve that either. I mean, but maybe you could have like a toggleable um, kind of hint tips sort yeah, of option. Yeah. So when something like that happens, it would like flag up with a little sort of like UI window or saying something this vec has appeared and this has caused all of these vec to explode watch out yeah but then next time you know about that you can just go don't show me this again yeah yeah exactly you know, maybe that would solve it but i do but, but i do fundamentally still agree with you that the, the the design language of the game is is really great it's very cohesive it's very consistent they've clearly just built on their, you know, their knowledge and understanding from, from making FTL, you know, a lot of it feels the same. Some of the mechanics are almost the same in the way that yeah. some of the upgrades work. It, you know, it could be, it's like an alternate universe FTL in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It's got that very same feeling to it. And the progression is, is the same Definitely, as well. Yeah. But it's a bit more controlled this time. Yeah. Like, like we've said that it's not, as punishing if you don't get the progression the game sort of expects from you yeah it's definitely more forgiving in that sense um and it's and that's more reflective of the fact that it's a strategy game you know it's not a rogue roguelike and roguelikes are all about serious randomness you know like dying on the first section or whatever in a rogue in a roguelike game uh you know is is is, is kind of standard but you wouldn't want that in a turn-based strategy game where it's a lot more it needs to be a lot more skill-based yeah it does which is only (laughs) And it sounds like I'm kind of picking on the game for an actual core feature of it. But one of the things that kind of frustrates me a little bit is that the game is just maybe too predictable. Mm. And that kind of joins two of my like what's not so good points here actually up uh, in that I've said that the game has a less of a sense of adventure than FTL does. And I think that is primarily because it's a strategy game rather than a roguelike. Yeah. Because there is less RNG in the variation on the scenarios, it feels like you're kind of going through the motions sometimes. Yeah. But I don't think that can be avoided without adding more randomness, which thus kind of goes against the idea of strategy. I think also it's partially because it is so stripped down in the fact that it is always like three mechs versus a horde. You know, it's not like a turn-based strategy game like Advance Wars, maybe, where you can just have random scenarios because there's so much variation in the scenarios or in just any old any like random mm. battle essentially whereas here the randomness or the ver- the variety rather comes from like the different squads and the yeah. scenarios sort of play out as you say very similarly you know if you do the same scenario with the same squad over and over again it's gonna you can play it roughly the same sort of thing yeah not far off the same each time and the one thing that i think maybe they could do to 
make it less apparent. It wouldn't solve the problem, but it would certainly kind of like water the problem down a bit is to just add more content. And I know mm. I'm, that sounds like I'm being really self-entitled. <laughs> but the one thing I've made on the notes here is I think like the advanced edition version of FTL spoiled me mm. because when they released that, I think it was like a year or so after the original release of FTL, they released a ton of free content. Yeah. And I feel like that's sort of what Into the Breach is like needing. Because although there's loads of of enemies, of loads of squads, like there's loads of mechs to choose from, and they all are fairly varied, like similar sort of mechanics, but they all have very different style of play. The enemies aren't varied enough at mm. all. There's so there's so many of them are the same, just maybe sometimes harder, you know, versions. The cynic in me does wonder if they're holding that back for yeah. a Into the Breach Advanced. <laughs> But either be it free or be it paid DLC, either or. Yeah. But there's only four islands, so there's only four yeah. levels of variations. That really and surprised me. That feels like, again, there needs to be either a bit more or maybe the, the islands need to split up into fair, like, smaller islands, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Mm. There's just not quite enough new content to explore on each playthrough to keep it fresh enough yeah even like, with the multiple squads it's still relatively quite repetitive i guess yeah yeah, yeah. it is and considering the fact that i've i put in more than 200 hours into ftl mm. i've already put 30 hours into into the breach can i see myself putting 200 hours into the breach probably not as it stands right i just don't feel like it's got enough longevity into it yeah. to make it last that long so overall, what I'd say is, as much as I love Into the Breach, I don't think it's going to have the same lasting impact on the gaming space as FTL did. Yeah. Because FTL is a really important game, I feel, within the indie, kind of PC indie scene. Yeah. It's still being talked about now. It's still very popular. Whereas I think, give it a year or two, and I think Into the Breach will just be, uh, oh, we they also made that game, and that was really good too. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And actually... I, I I think the same as well. Like I again, I did I did play a reasonable amount of FTL. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as you, but that's just it's just me, I guess. And actually, talking about Into the Breach more and talking about some of the mechanics of it and sort of really like drawing them out and and understanding the game has made me definitely want to go back and play it some more. Mm. Um, and sort of because now i'm like analyzing the features of it i'm like yeah actually it is there's some really cool stuff in this game uh that deserves my attention if that yeah. makes sense even though i don't really like turn-based strategy games and so i'm definitely going to give it more of a go um and sort of you know play through a f- get through the game play through a few squads probably definitely swap it to easy mode um, yeah. for a while because i did start playing it on normal I, ju- I just think normal is too unforgiving mm. for the original initial playthrough. If you don't know how the enemies are going to react and how mm. your mechs are going to react with them, I think you need to play it on easy for a while yes. to kind of get a good feel for it. Exactly. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to play it some more on easy and, you know, try some of the different squads out and, and you know, just sort of appreciate some of the mechanics and the thought that's gone into the, into the mechanics. Because talking about it has made me appreciate it as a game more than just sort of a first glance of, of, of playing it and having a go. But I agree with you that it doesn't feel like as big of a deal as FTL. Yeah, that's a good way of summing up. But at the same time, I think that it's a really, really great game that, you know, is exactly what you would expect from the makers of FTL if yeah, they turn agreed. their attention to a turn-based strategy game. Yeah, you're like, it's yep, exactly what is, you expect to come out from them. <laughs> this is what it should be. Which is a very high-quality product. Definitely. It maybe just doesn't quite hit that same 
lightning a bottle effect that ftl did yeah agreed agreed and i would be also interested to see if they add more uh contents you know i as, hope as, they do uh, and really i think do. that it does feel like it would be a good platform for that they could get creative with the scenarios you know and really it expand kind of, them. for me it feels a bit like i liken it to playing like tcgs yeah. like the fact that you can add more stuff to it without breaking the game quite easily just Definitely. add new mechanics like so maybe you could add um i don't know trying to think of an example here <laughs> you're uh, not a game designer so you know no, it's, I'm not, I'm <laughs> it's like, not for you to think <laughs> like maybe you could add a, a squad of mechs where the abilities that they actually control the vec you know like they have yeah. the ability to sort of like choose its move for a turn or something you mm. know and that doesn't break the rest of the game at all i mean you have to balance it obviously but yeah, yeah, yeah. it feels that you could just simply add that in and it wouldn't require a whole other slew of changes in the game to make happen right so I would be, I'm really looking forward to seeing what else happens with the game in future. And hopefully, I think it's sold pretty well. I imagine, I would imagine it, but so. I imagine it's done pretty well considering the, considering its uh, heritage. But I I would highly highly advise checking it out. It's not too expensive. I think it's like eleven pounds on Steam. Oh yeah, it's 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 one pound cheaper on the humble store at the moment. It's ten pounds mm-hmm. thirty nine. I think on the humble store, which was why I picked it up. I was like, wow, like I was that I was expecting to pay more for it than that. Yeah. And I was like, I have no problem picking that up to play it for a bit before the podcast. No, no, it's, it's, it's definitely worth the money. Like, I, yeah, I've already got 30 hours of it 100%. and it's hundred percent worth my money. I, and I would absolutely recommend everybody checking it out and seeing if you, uh, if you like it, you see, mm. see where you fall on the, uh, the old spectrum here. Either you feel like myself or Jal. Yeah. Are you a gelada or are you a separate? <laughs> <laughs> and what you can do actually now you, you can let us know about that on, uh, our social media outlets, uh, which we should now have been much more active on. We, we, as we touched in our review episode last week, We've decided to try and be a lot more interactive. Yeah, absolutely. I've gotten more involved in that. You, and you, you've you've just jumped straight on it. You've taken to it like a like a duck to water. You're like running <laughs> little running little challenges and like tweeting about stuff. Um, yeah, definitely come and let us know on on Twitter. Um, it'll be if you if you tweet us about uh, into the breach, then it'll it'll definitely be Seth that replies to you yeah, uh, most likely <laughs> rather than me. Um, so yeah, come and find us on Twitter. Um, we're at OctalFM on Twitter. Of course you can still email us. We, we read our emails uh, just because we're, we're sat on social media all day. Replying to your tweets doesn't mean that we don't look at our inbox. Uh, that's show at octal.fm. And you can come find us on Facebook as well, uh, where we post all manner of exciting and wonderful Facebooky things. Yeah. Uh, just search for OctalFM on Facebook. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Good stuff. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the uh, the the breakdown. We'll probably try and not review another indie game so soon. <laughs> yeah, we um, keep, that wasn't intentional <laughs> that we did Celeste and Into the Breach so quickly, but uh, it was it was fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's been nice to play some indie games actually. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, but yeah, in the in the meantime, uh, I've been Gelada, and I've been Seferin. And catch us again for another episode of Octal FM very very soon. <laughs> Yeah, tell me. Uh, I we've actually. I'll, I'll do that bit again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I got caught off guard. Um, I saw you were about to start typing something in the notes. <laughs>
Oh, sorry. I thought you were carrying on saying something. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was no but. I just find them frustrating. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say. I thought there was a but coming. <laughs> There's no one part of the game that feels sort of like slashed, slashed. There's no one part of the game 